0: what a week it's been so much to talk about and so many things
1: we can't talk about
2: ladies and gentlemen this is the villain marty scale and you are listening to behind no sorry what was it
1: (laughs) (laughs) me and my friend mark we're gonna stop watching i'm mark And I'm Harris.
2: And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. Alright, how's it going everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. It's going to be Harris' topic for this week, so we got another wild and crazy and strange topic and uh... In the course of wrestling history, um, it seems like it's the same type of news every week as far (laughs) as wrestling. Someone got released or didn't get released or did something or whatever because everything's just kind of going the same way. The biggest thing is potentially Florida might open up to where fans can actually go to events soon. So so we can finally yeah. see
1: what kind of reaction braun Strowman is getting as so champion, we know
2: what that means is wwe 100 will be the first ever thing to immediately have fans because oh, yeah, that's 100%. just the way they are um
1: Ugh.
2: and we'll yes. see we'll see how that goes that'll be that'll be interesting um so who knows who knows if that happens but that's been the rumors going around um uh, money in the Banks coming up. What a couple weeks? I think
1: it's like the Sunday tw- week from is today. Is it next week? As we oh, okay. Record this. Yes, it is. All right. I don't care. Um, this is news to me too. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. We we gotta we gotta just mention this. It is. We we had some conversation about this in the past. They are continuing their tradition of being super creative when they have literally no other choice and nothing else going on. Right. Since they couldn't have a Money in the Bank ladder match in front of an empty arena, they didn't want to. It is. It's called a climb the corporate ladder match. Okay.
0: It's going to take place so at
1: WWE it. headquarters. Yeah, and it's literally going to start like on the ground floor. All right. You have to fight your way to the top of the building, and then presumably, I don't know if there's going to be a ring. I at think the there's top. a ring,
2: at least from the pictures that they were showing. It looked like they were right. they built a ring up there.
1: I'll be honest with you, Mark. I think there's like a sixty-five percent chance that they don't even know what this is going to be yet. That's that's just, fair. Build it and like now like after raw ends on monday they're gonna be like okay uh what do we got like who knows that's fair but not only that so it's gonna be like this weird i don't know if it's gonna happen live or not i don't know if it's gonna be I more like it, a movie who knows? right not only that though because i know there was some confusion last time we talked about this as to whether or not it's going to be throughout the entire building it is not only that they're just having them both at the same time. men and women's. Yeah. It's just going to okay. be one big like schmoz. Yeah. Every stipulation they add, I'm like, sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Sure. Whatever. I don't know if you remember the old, this is sports center commercial where they have a Y2K drill. I don't know if you know that as well <laughs> as I do or not, but that's what I'm picturing here. If you don't know, I mean, you could look it up. It's like 20 seconds long, but. Basically, it's like the sports center offices, you know, with athletes milling about in full uniform and stuff. And then they flip the switch to start their Y2K simulator. This obviously aired in, like, the summer of 99 or something. And all of the lights cut out. The fire alarms start blasting. There's smoke coming from somewhere. Mark McGuire is smashing all the computers with his baseball bat, and people are (laughs) screaming and crying. Just total chaos breaks out. Yeah, That's what I'm picturing right now. I'm just picturing, like, some... Poor nine to five office drones like diving out of the way. (laughs) That would be all the wrestlers come brawling over them. That would be I'm really Money in the Bank is always fun, but kudos to WWE for putting something on that I'm actually looking forward to watching in the middle of all this.
2: Well, that's fair. That's fair. That'll be weird. If nothing else, it'll be a topic for our show in the next, you know,
1: five years from now. Well the week after that, because we won't be able to cover it. (laughs) Whatever to, happens, Braun Strowman could yeah. fall to his death like the giant before him. And it won't y- – y'all will never know because we won't talk about it next week.
2: It's a good point. It Total is a, mystery. It's a good point. Um, yeah, so that's happening. Um, I, I don't know. AEW's plugging along. They're good shows every week. Yeah. I watch it live every week. It's still great. TNT tournament's going on. Um, a bunch of people were mad that Cody beat Darby Allen. In the semifinals of the uh, TNT tournament, and putting
1: himself over, man, he's just burying. And the I think
2: that, talent. I think it's like the dumbest thing ever. I understand <laughs> wanting Darby Allen to to win. I get that, um, and I would have been fine with that with Darby Allen doing it. But I mean, the guy is—he's only been known for literally a calendar year by anybody, right? Um, you know, he's still he's still getting to that process. I don't think there's any reason to rush that right now. Um, and, and you have to have him face, and you have to have him face Lance Archer, who's just been this behemoth, just tearing through everybody who, Mm -hmm. who beat uh, Dustin Rhodes, which is funny because you forget how big Dustin is. I mean, Dustin is the son of Dusty Rhodes. He's literally started wrestling in like 88 or whatever. Like when (laughs) wrestlers had to be, you know, the biggest human beings on the planet and there were no exceptions. So you forget how big the guy actually is. He's as big as Lance Archer, who's like billed as like this, you know, he, Dustin's like six, four or whatever. Like he's the same right. size pretty much. He, right. Lance Archer's a little bit, he's more muscular obviously, and a little thicker, but like just, I remember when they came out, I was like, he's the same height. <laughs> so, so they had, they had a good match. They had a, a competitive
1: match. It was good. Uh, that's great. Which is the first thing,
2: time we've seen that from Lance Archer. He's just been uh,
1: squashing people right. so far. So that, that was killing nice people. I remember the first time, eight, I think it was when they hired Brody Lee. And the joke on the internet was like, well, yeah, it, it's all fun and games to hire like indie talent until you look around and realize Luchasaurus is your, your only Haas wrestler. <laughs> and he just towers over everyone else, which is kind of the point. But you got to have some big guys. And it is funny to like, this is not a bad thing, but it's just funny. Like, their big guy is not huge. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, no, You're no big, big guy guys like are Vince's huge.
1: Average guy.
2: Well, no big guys are huge. Even in WWE, there's what three still. I mean, there, there haven't really been that many big guys since the you know the early 2000s. Right. I mean, that's you had all, you I just, you, at, know. you know even at that point you had Taker, Kane, Big Show, and then there would be a handful others that would cycle through that were really right. big guys. I mean, since the 90s, it's been tough to do that because that's when you know actual like wrestling started being a thing <laughs> in WWE. So, right. you know, they At couldn't, they couldn't do that anymore. Around. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I just thought that was funny just seeing him. That I was is like, funny. Okay, yeah, cause Dustin still, he's from the old, the old group where they all were huge. And so he's huge. Um, that was just, I just thought that was funny, but that was a good match. So that's going to be a fun, that's going to be an interesting finals. Cody versus Lance Archer. I, I'm a little worried. They've booked themselves into a corner here because mm-hmm. they've been building Lance as this killer. So, to have him just go out and lose in this first tournament to Cody seems kind of counterproductive. Right. But at the same time, Lance Archer is not the person to have the first ever TNT title to, to hold it right. for whatever. Like, we don't care. Like, a guy like Lance Archer is not a guy to have the secondary title and carry that. There's no point. Like, he doesn't need that. He He's, he's a big character in and of itself. Like... So so I'm I'm uh, it's now I'm like all right they just going to have Lance Lose right off the bat here or right it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting but that's going to be a double or nothing coming up in a couple of weeks. So it is now one thing AEW has done even though I feel like they've booked themselves into corners a few times with their extra stipulations and stuff like that like with Jericho and Cody and Cody oh if I lose I'll never fight for the title again which I still think is dumb. But I'll give it to him. it at least provides significant stakes. When the match comes, so there's definitely interest in the matches that happen.
1: So, well, it's also going to be fun if he wins because the joke will be, well, Cody lost his way out of a title shot, so he just made up another title and went and won that. I would love if Cody Rhodes,
2: it would be a great heel move. It would, but but
1: he's always putting himself over, yeah. But
2: you can't do it, there's no baby faces, like you can't, right? They're all heels. Right now, you got literally Cody. Uh, Darby's not quite in the main event picture, but he's the most right. popular. So you got like I mean, Cody. John Moxley's not really a he- Darby. He's just no, no, no. Moxley's there. a baby face. He, he's a baby face. So so yeah. I mean, you have Moxley, and, and uh, that's and
1: Luchasaurus.
2: <laughs> that's about it. You know, you got like kind of three, and then you have the whole freaking inner circle, and all, all these you know all these other heels. So anyway. But they're they're still they're still killing it. They're still doing a good job. Their shows are fun. The atmosphere is fun every uh, every week. These Jericho Inner Circle bubbly bunch segments are fantastic.
1: Absolutely fantastic. Okay. Explain the the what was it? It was like a brawl that happened this week. Yeah, what is that called? That he called it like the, the Manitoba May- Manitoba. Melee, Melee? yeah, yeah I'll be something like you, that. I tuned in and I was like, I don't know what this is, and it's too <laughs> late for me to figure it out. I'm gonna get Mark to explain it to me. Uh, yeah, I, uh,
2: I, I saw like some celebrities doing the exact same thing the other day, but I mm-hmm. saw the celebrity thing after this this AEW one. <laughs> so I'm, I, but I don't know if this has been the thing, and that's why AEW. I would assume that it was already a thing and that yeah. uh, AEW didn't start it. But, uh, I don't know, it was this weird thing where Jericho, like, punched the camera and then everyone who it would show, it would show them, like, get, reacting to getting hit and then dishing out their own form of attack and then just kept switching. And then they had all these celebrities in their thing as well. I mean, they had, like, Jay and Silent Bob, Lou Ferrigno was in there, like, uh, all these random... Uh, random celebrities that that different people in AEW know I guess and could get on the phone to, to right. do this and it was great because the first really weird one where me and my dad were like what is that Lou Ferrigno? Why, why is Lou Ferrigno there? And at the very end it comes all the way back to Jericho and Jericho's like oh that was awesome that's the best Manitoba man ever was that Lou Ferrigno with a taser? <laughs> and he said exactly <laughs> what we were all thinking and it was so funny it was so that's funny great.
1: So, I guess it's like it, it was sort of like the wrestling equivalent of all those celebrities covering Imagine, mm-hmm. except instead of singing a I different guess. clip, they each like do a little move or punch or kick to yeah. the camera and then it cuts to the next person. I'm kind of shocked Jericho didn't do the Imagine thing like his own version of that. because yeah. That seems like something he would do both in that. and out of character. But look, there's probably a lot of weeks of this left. Maybe he'll do that at some point. He'll have his own sing along. Who Imagine knows? that, dude! Like the Judas sing along, but just with different members. Well, they, the, they, they the did AW a version universe. of that on Twitter
2: uh, back a few like a few months ago, where where a bunch of people on Twitter were filming themselves singing to Judas, and they ended up making a cut of something for for something. Yeah. So, but it, that was great. That, that was hilarious. Um, the tag team match, the no DQ tag team match between Best Friends and and Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc was fantastic. Another awesome like hardcore tag team match that they just they tore the house down with no fans there it, it reminded me of kind of like that ladder match at wrestlemania where it was yeah. just like they just went all out and you're just like ah stop nobody's there stop stop dying but it was awesome it was like oh it was great so at one point jimmy havoc pulled out a chair but and he opened it but he set it on its side Ah oh, and then like Got like body slam onto the side of the oh, it was so oh, it was bad. There Why was a few of those so much
1: worse for some reason because it doesn't it give, is.
2: it doesn't give, and there's this there, and, and there's the little it. points going right into yeah. one spot. It's, oh my gosh, that was brutal! It was a great match, yeah. Um, and then uh, obviously, uh, Dustin and um, and Lance Archer as the main event was was great so i mean what a show man that that tag team match you had cody and darby and then lance archer and dustin i mean it was it was another great show so aw's killing nice. it um uh some other stuff uh some other interesting things so this morning because we record this on sundays uh every sunday morning rj city does a live youtube show where he makes coffee in his underwear and uh, he's been doing this for months or i don't know how long long time he also started a live show on wednesday nights too that actually start after dynamite but um anyway so i just happen to get on to i usually end up watching watching those at some point throughout the week cuz they're just entertaining he just answers questions and and one of the things he does though is you can you can tip him and then ask him to sing songs okay so i i, I, I got up early enough I just had where it was still going like it was 10 something and it was still going. And um, I had him sing Greatest American Hero, the theme song from Greatest American Hero, believe it or not, which was very funny. Uh, also, David Arquette's almost always a part of these in the chat right. as well. So that's that's always entertaining. But and so the other thing I asked him to sing was the rap, Jimmy King's rap from Ready to Rumble. But he had no idea what it was. So he just made one up and so that Even was better. very funny that was very funny too because yeah if he doesn't know what they're requesting he usually just makes up something so that was uh that was pretty funny but uh anyway i was I, I was entertained with that
1: we can put that in okay this is the other i think we have one other thing to actually cover with david arquette and i hope i'm not stealing your thunder here but uh Live Morgan is officially on the bandwagon.
2: Yeah, hang on. Let's 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 officially move Can, to. Uh, that, that's our, our segue. Okay. Yeah. Let, let. All right. So here we go. Because I have to play the little the little intro. So here we go. This is this is what's up with David Arquette. You cannot kill David
0: Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette.
2: All right. So we already talked a little bit about the RJ City thing, David Arquette's always in those chats. So if you ever want to interact with David Arquette doing different stuff, those uh live YouTube streams with RJ City are are always entertaining. Um he, he constantly bags on on David Arquette for different reasons and it's it's funny. But um yeah, as Harris just mentioned, pretty awesome moment. We have a new patron saint, I guess, of the show um <laughs> in the form of one Liv Morgan because she has discovered Ready to Rumble and is on board with it being one of the greatest movies ever. Okay, we're still I'll... waiting on Harris to jump on that board.
1: Well, I was I was about to say she finally got on board with you and me and our appreciation of Ready to Rumble. Here's the thing, though: Simmer Harris like she doesn't like Ready to Rumble like somebody who just discovered it. I think she likes it like she's always kind of liked it, and maybe. just now decided to start talking about it. Could be I, that's just that's the impression that I have. I don't know. She talks about it. Like somebody who grew up watching it, and that was part of her like wrestling fandom.
2: I don't know. To but me, it seems thing. like she's literally she just discovered <laughs> it and is now going crazy about Maybe. it. Maybe.
1: Well, neither here nor there. Here's the thing: she came out and officially said she wants a sequel and she wants to be in the sequel. Yes. David Arquette was like, "heck yes, you can play my daughter in, <laughs> in the movie." It was like, "great, let's do it." Here's the thing: this actually needs to happen because number one. America will watch anything right now. Yes. Not that David Arquette isn't great and ready to rumble isn't great and wrestling isn't great. But, like, the other day they aired a virtual horse race on TV. It was literally just like that old show <laughs> Deadliest Warrior. Like, they just took a bunch of old horses, yeah. like, stats and speed and were like, we're going to race them around the track, but virtually. And people watched it. Oh, my gosh. So that's all great. I'm, this is the thing. This is why this is brilliant, right? Every wrestling fan has seen Ready to Rumble because that's just – it's like part of the lexicon. Yes, you have is. to know – what it was, you have to be like, all right, David Arquette happened in WCW and it was to promote this movie. So if I know about David Arquette in WCW, I need to know about this too. Yes. So if they came out and they spent like, I don't know, a million dollars, which is not a lot of money for a movie, and we're like, hey, guess what? We're just going to release this on demand for $10. Every wrestling no, fan in the there's no would be way you like, can
2: make this for a million dollars. No. no.
1: <laughs> I mean it depends on what kind of movie you want to make. But if every yeah. every wrestling fan in America was like I mean, sure, what else are we gonna do? Like a lot of people would watch this movie right now. Yeah, but especially you... if you got WWE superstars in it and they're co promoting it, you know, it's a whole thing. The other thing you could do is You know incorporate what would be a great without...
2: idea is somehow you make it where David Arquette I don't know if you would be able to get um, Scott Kahn, because he's kind of fairly big now after Hawaii 5-0 but um (laughs) if you could it would be great if you just had those two characters just show up and just act like they have had no idea what's been going on in the world since like they left since like the last movie and so then all of a sudden WCW doesn't exist and they just don't know what to do
1: I had here was a I have a better maybe not a better idea here was my idea you go like scream with it And you become self-referential and like you don't make it David Arquette, obviously, because Dewey is David Arquette. But like WCW still went bankrupt and it was because a famous actor showed up and won their title. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And Dewey hates it. Like he's really mad about that. And he hates the actor. There's an actor in the movie that is playing like the David Arquette role, right? And they find him and he's like, hey, man, I was just doing a thing because I love wrestling just like you. And then they have to go on an adventure
2: with him to try and redeem himself. Oh, my gosh. That
1: would
2: be amazing. No, 100%. No, you win. You win. One million percent. That's the greatest idea ever. You literally make it about David Arquette. But David Arquette is playing a different character in the movie. And then oh. someone else is playing no, no, – no no, yes. no, 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 yeah. no, no, not literally, but someone else is playing basically David Arquette. Yes, Just change exactly. the names or whatever, and then that's the movie. That would be incredible.
1: There's just like a two-minute scene where David Arquette goes on this ride, you disrespected the business, and you killed the yes, best company yes. on the
2: planet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is the greatest idea I've ever heard, and I'm so mad you came up with it because it's never going to happen. <laughs> And I know. that is the best idea I have ever heard for a movie in my entire oh, life. Man. Thank you. It's it's Thank the perfect you so movie so much for, for like that, Harris. Oh my I gosh! Know, right? Warner it's Brothers and WWE. We need you guys to partner up and release Ready to Rumble Two. WWE, you can you can I mean, you can make it all your own crap with WWE stuff and all that garbage shit. But oh man, that would
1: be amazing. That'd okay, be now so I have great. two more. Two more thoughts, though. Okay, one, yes, it would be great because these are the kind of movies that I want to see WWE make anyway. Yeah. Not terrible children's films or, like, bad comedies or bad action movies. You have to lean into your cast. I know I've said this before on the show, but tell me you wouldn't watch WWE Studios productions the same way the Muppets used to do movies. Yes, I would. Like, WWE Treasure Island? (laughs) I I would pay $50 to watch that.
2: I'm I I'm not gonna lie, I would I would at least try it once and see 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 how they went.
1: You know, you gotta lean right into it because the fun of those movies is not, oh, Treasure Island, what's gonna happen? It's hey look, it's Kermit the Frog, hey look, Stadler and Waldorf are the two guys painted on the back of the ship. That's funny. Like that's the that's the gimmick so I, 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 there's one example
2: one one exception with the muppet movies okay. and that's muppet christmas carol which is actually the best adaptation of okay, a christmas fair. carol that's ever been done in any form or fashion uh, and Thanks. it's actually a really good movie and not just a great muppet movie that's um, that's, that's the fair. one exception good but point. but but for the most part you're right It it's more hey it's the muppets and look they're doing this and right i agree it's like oh Here's the Miz, and he's climbing Mount Everest or something, you know, and he has to deal with, <laughs> and he has to deal with some other rival WWE superstars trying to do it first. Like, you know, easy. It's easy yes, stuff. Yes,
1: dude. Around the world in eighty days,
2: but with wrestlers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Half of, you know, a group of the, uh, you know, the New Day are on a submarine, and they're trying to, you know. Sure go down whatever you just t- take whatever classic literature story that's in public domain now and then just do it with wwe wrestlers you, you can do sherlock holmes you know dude any yes. any of that stuff that- that's a great in- idea but okay that literary that's classics wwe superstars yeah. edition
1: it would be so fun to see wwe of so, like use their talent for ready to rumble too or i guess it's just Ready to rumble, except wasn't ready to rumble also spelled with a two. Am uh, I wrong about that?
2: I don't think
1: so. It seems like the kind of movie that would be, though, doesn't it? I'm sure there were different versions but that But either way, added, the but. other possibility, and I'll be honest with you, I think this is even funnier, is if they just do it with AEW, and they just do it all again. It's AEW wrestlers, and he wins the AEW title. Like, they just, they just botch it all. They do it all again. <laughs> aew beats john moxley for the world title by pinning chris jericho and it's just it's just the same story all over again that would, that would be, be very funny that would oh be man live morgan listen to our podcast make it happen let's go pull some strings
2: yeah hey yeah i like how david arquette even said that he was like you're in the company like that owns half of it like yeah talk to someone yeah <laughs> So yeah, Warner Brothers and uh, WWE
1: need to need need to get on that. Who is the best casting for the David Arquette character? Like, who's your? If money is no object, like, does it have? Like, do like, are it- we going like actor? Or are we going like WWE superstar is cast in this? Oh no 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 no! It's got to be like a famous actor. Okay. here's yeah, what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. It's got to be a famous actor in real life because the whole bit is that a famous actor in real life came into wrestling. Zach Efron so would be pretty be- good. Okay, here's my other question. He's too Should I big. Be, mm, Well, yeah, I mean, you got to think about the timeline too, right? Like theoretically, if oh, are we and having to do the are, same
2: time. Oh, yeah, we're doing the same. Yeah, timeline. yeah, yeah, same timeline. Because this is yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because
1: <laughs> what happened is some other famous actor came in and won the WCW right, title right, right, in 1999. Right, right. Like that, that needs to be the joke. So I'm trying to think of who's the funniest person. Hmm. Or just the funniest person now, you know what I mean? But, like, right. I don't know. Who was big in...
2: <laughs> I don't know who was big in the late 90s. That
1: was, like, a dead period, I feel like, for pop culture. I was going to say, just get somebody else. David Arquette wasn't in Friends, but he married Courtney Cox, so just get Matthew Perry in here. Matthew yeah, Perry won yeah, the title in work. 1999. And everybody's like, I hate you, Matthew
2: Perry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, But, see, they also have to be able to, like portray a person trying to wrestle again
1: now well right and they also have to be somebody you want to put in the movie now that's the difficult part
2: right so that that's kind of years later because of the age thing that's going to be a really tough window to to fit that's a tough sweet spot right there
1: it is but i feel like i feel like he has enough artistic integrity you could probably get keanu reeves to do it and just be like yeah it'll be a good change of pace like to compliment your john wickiness and he can be kind of like a goofy bro like david arquette you know but mm. he's also got the action chops to learn how to actually wrestle i feel like that could really work. i don't I think like that would that's...
2: work because he's too much of a badass now like you yeah, can't really big, you yeah. can't look at him and it'd be funny anymore because it's just like oh yeah he could literally kill everybody like
1: robert downey jr would be very funny. I,
2: I was i literally thought of the same thing i was like robert downey jr <laughs> would be great but that's never gonna work um I don't know. He didn't do little for crying out loud. If You're going to do right. a movie as stupid as that. I mean,
1: uh, the, the, difference that is, the difference is the difference is they had
2: like, you know, 50 million dollars to just throw at
1: him. I was going to say, he might be at that movie. point where he has so much money that he'll just do stuff for, you know, the artistic integrity of it all. But that would be, I don't know. That would
2: be great. That, that would be David oh,
1: Arquette. Is, if you're listening, tell us who you would cast as the David Arquette role in Ready yes. to Rumble.
2: Yes, Please. Uh, yeah, ready to rumble, um, right. the sequel Stiff. to Ready to Ready to Rumble, um, ah, that that is a great that's a great question that is a great question. Anyway, that the show's going downhill from here. I'm sorry, whatever Harris came up with. I'm sorry, it's, but yeah. it's going downhill from that. That was the best thing we've <laughs> talked about for a while. Uh, yeah, ready, ready to rumble. We need to we need to make it happen. Man, that would be great. I don't know where Liv Morgan fits in. Well, with listen. It.
1: Oh, we can. Be, she can still be Gordy's daughter. That's not that hard. She yeah, but what's hates... that
2: character? What, what's the? What's the
1: character? It's just. It's just him, but hot and young, dude. It's the same thing. But she I thought just, the whole point of the story.
2: Kinda... I thought the whole point of the story was it's the same two characters now doing well, the same thing too. with she's a different actor. Out. Yeah, but then she's going to yeah, be yeah, the yeah, annoying yeah. extra character that people always hate when they're added well, in yeah, movies. Well, yeah, but you said it
1: yourself. We're probably not getting the guy from Hawaii Five O back, so it can That's be like... True. If
2: we're not getting Scott Kahn, we can just replace Scott Kahn with, with Liv Morgan as the, the and daughter. And you
1: can Band. have, like, a father-daughter B-plot, too, you know, where he has to, like, you know, figure out if he's let his daughter down because she's, you know, because mm. she hates this guy. She hates Robert Downey Jr. so much, and... You know they got to establish that they have this shared love of wrestling, but also I I don't know, dude. There's something. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, there's something in there. I got the A storyline. You can you can have her Her in there as the B storyline. Yeah, you. Also, I really love the idea of Liv Morgan just chewing out Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) That's a very weird little uh, Venn diagram.
2: Yeah, that'd be. Oh man, yeah, that'd be very weird. Um. (laughs) Anyway, we'll hash that out. It's fine. We can. That was fun. Um. All right. So now, time to move on to the actual show. Uh, Harris, have at it. The floor is oh, yours. Oh boy.
1: Okay, I'm trying to think of a way to segue between these two things. I'm not there's having not, much there's luck. There's not way. <laughs> uh, you know who worked for WCW once? Eric Bischoff. This there is we an go. Episode about him. All right. There we go. <laughs> so this is not another WCW episode, but it will actually harken back to to one of the WCW episodes we did recently, just a little bit. Um, so early 2000s, we're back in that sweet spot. This particular episode, we're, we're focusing on one episode of Raw tonight. It's an episode that took place in December of 2005. Uh, Eric Bischoff at this point has been the general manager on Raw for about three years Which is something that, like, as somebody who didn't start watching wrestling until early 2014, I I knew he was the GM. But I didn't really think about or fully appreciate how weird it was, one, how surreal it was when he was first brought on as the authority figure on this show. And, two, like, looking at it now, I've been watching wrestling for six years, and there's been so much stuff that's happened. And, like, not a ton of consistent long-term storytelling a three year reign as a general manager. This guy's been around. Yeah, you missed for Teddy Long
2: BGM for like 15
1: years. Yeah, I know, I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, the closest I can think of, I, I guess, would be The Authority, but they were yeah. only around for like
2: one and or a half,
1: two. A year and a half, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it felt like forever yeah, as an audience member, you know? But the thing that, that he reminds me a little bit more of, for reasons we'll get into, is. Is Baron Corbin, Constable Corbin, as he was known. And it was a similar shtick, you know, it's a it's a heel authority figure who books matches in favorable circumstances for his friends and cheats over the good guys. He lasted what, like six months, maybe? And yeah. it was just miserable and everyone hated it. Wasn't mean. and it, it didn't really end in a way that made any sense either. And like I said, I'll I'll compare and contrast these two a little bit as we go along, but As we tune in now, it's December of 2005. Eric Bischoff's been there about three years, and his team, for what I believe is the third year in a row, but at least for this year, has lost the Survivor Series match. And this was, you know, this was the original brand split when brand warfare meant a little bit more than it does now, and way more than it would mean later in the 2000s, and Eric Bischoff is embarrassed he's humiliated and he does that classic heel thing Seth Rollins did it a few months ago where he he's come out to the ring for an episode of Monday Night Raw and he demands that the whole roster come out because he needs to talk to him and nobody does (laughs) because they don't respect him because he's a garbage boss and he's just been healing it up for three years and you've just got this real sense that he's running out of rope you know yeah And he cuts this heel promo and he says, so help me God, the next person that comes out down that ramp, I'm going to fire him." And then Vince McMahon comes out. Oh boy. Vince McMahon says, here's the deal, Eric Bischoff. You're always saying that perception is reality. The perception that I have right now is that you're not a good leader of Monday Night Raw. You're a failure. And if you're a failure, that means my flagship show, Monday Night Raw, is a failure. So here's what's going to happen. Next week, we're going to take out the trash. And that's where this episode of Raw begins, with the theme song, the pyro, and a big old trash truck being driven into the arena. Now, (laughs) key listeners of this program might remember the last time we talked about a show that opened with garbage trucks driving into the arena That was our other Eric Bischoff episode, (laughs) to kick off sold out. Oh, we've had Eric Bischoff in a bunch of episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was the most recent one, and I thought that was pretty funny. That was his idea when he was trying to brand the NWO faction way back in WCW as edgy and counterculture. He thought, well, what's the last thing you'd expect anyone to do? We're used to wrestlers coming in on limos and other fancy cars, so we're going to come in on the back of garbage trucks. Yeah. That it didn't happened. make any sense. That was they our sold-out
2: 1997 yeah. episode, yeah. For, for those of you who keep they, track.
1: They made fun of him for it at the time. We made fun of him for it on the show. Wasn't a good idea. But it was interesting, and it's funny to see Vince McMahon driving a trash truck into the ring. Like, almost 10 years later at this point, for a completely different company. Like, everything has changed. WCW's gone Eric Bischoff works for Vince McMahon now, but it's funny to see this happen and hear Jerry say, well, this is, this has got to be the most unique entrance I've ever seen on Monday Night Raw. And you're like, well, well, it's, it's up there. Sure. But it's not really, you're like, yeah, WCW did that first too. It's just, it's a weird, I don't think that was an intentional homage at all, but it did make me laugh. So you can tell this is going to be a great episode of Raw, by the way, and this is not even the topic I'm talking about, but while <laughs> Vince is making his entrance, they're talking about, oh, we got a great episode of Raw for you tonight, because earlier this week, Ric Flair was accused of a road rage incident, and they're showing like newspaper clippings, and they're like, yeah, but he's never been one to shy away from the spotlight, so we're going to have him here tonight on the cutting edge to talk all about it, and I looked it up. This really happened. He got like – there were warrants out because he was driving down the highway in Charlotte. A guy honked – like a guy brake checked him. So he got out of his car and started choking the dude like on the side of the interstate. <laughs> that really happened. Yeah. Uh, like we're not we're not doing the episode about that. That wasn't my intention but we're going to talk about it because it's wild. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Just a little, that's, that's the B plot. But imagine being this poor guy in Charlotte. And you break check some loser who's honking behind you in like bumper to bumper traffic. So he reaches through your window and starts choking you and you look up and you're like, wait, that's Ric Flair. Can that honestly sounds your, your like
2: the greatest possible story you could possibly have. I would give yeah, anything for the rest to be in a life. road rage incident where Ric Flair started choking me out. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I would pick that almost over just about any possible life scenario that I can think of. It's Yeah, so I hope
1: I mean he recognized him. Like that's the like that's in his statement. He looked up and he was like, "Wait, that's real. <laughs> so I hope he was at least I a hope little bit recognized of a him. Fan. If he
2: didn't recognize him,
1: then you would have just it would have been a waste. Right. But so imagine that you tune in to Monday Night Raw like the next like 6 days later. And they're like, yeah, this is crazy. We're going to get him to talk about it, though. And they're like, wow, (laughs) all right. Well, let's see what (laughs) Ric Flair has to say for himself about this real embarrassing episode that he might go to prison over. Like, sure, why not? So already, like, we're off to a wild start. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. In the actual story, in real life, well, not in real life, (laughs) the actual story in (laughs) k Vince McMahon makes his way to the ring, and he's got, like... Again, this is neither here nor there, but, like, they clearly wouldn't let him have and operate the trash truck in real life without people from the trash company being there because two of the attendants are just, like, hanging on the back of the truck the entire show, (laughs) just hanging out, like, you know, just, like, supervising Vince basically to make sure he doesn't wreck the thing. Right. And he makes his way into the ring. And he starts talking, and he says, you know, clearly Bischoff's been in hot water, and he always said if he couldn't, you know, he was going to reach his goals, and I told him if he couldn't accomplish his goals, and, you know, sort of specifically, you know, he means the Survivor Series match, which Raw very embarrassingly lost, but you get the impression, and I didn't go back and, like, watch the show for months on end, but, like, he's been treading on thin ice for a while anyway. Like, his list of allies is growing pretty thin, and Vince is growing impatient, And not only losing at Survivor Series, but then, like, the entire roster disrespecting him has kind of been the last straw, right? So he says, well, it's time to take out the trash. And then he calls Eric out. And Eric, to his credit, comes out, which I don't think I would have done. Because this is like that, you know, like, see me in my office at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning kind of thing. Like, you know you're getting fired. Vince basically told him as much last week. And we're starting the show with this and there's a trash truck here. And Vince McMahon is like not a nice or patient or like understanding person at the best of times. Like this is not going to end well for you, but he comes out to his credit and you can tell like Eric Bischoff is a man who loves his job. And that's what he tells Vince. He says this job, Vince, it's not about what I do. It's about who I am. And before you take this any further, please, I'm begging with you, please let me keep my job. And Vince, at this point in Vince's career, Vince is like kind of level-headed and like almost benign. Like he's not quite sympathetic babyface like he he was in like the topic you had, where he's you know like trying to rescue his daughter from the from the demonic Undertaker, and he's friends with Stone Cold, and like you're rooting for him. But this is not like evil, maniacal Mr. McMahon either. Yeah. And he says he tells him to slow down. He says, listen, listen, you might ask yourself, why? Why do I have? And at this point, you know, I, as the audience kind of knows this, too. Why do I have two podiums out here? And, And indeed, you know, there's there's carpet on the ring and there's a podium to the left and a podium to the right. And why do I have a chair on a raised platform? And there's this really nice, like ornate, cushy looking chair sitting on, you know, sort of an elevated platform in the middle of the ring." He says the answer is real simple. Uh, I'm a fair man, and Vince McMahon. How do I put this? You know how, like, you know, when a TV show has been running for long enough, you see certain like episode tropes kind of get trotted out. Like every TV show has a bottle episode. Yeah. Every TV show has like a um a clip show episode. Right. And every TV show, if it runs for long enough, if you're a community, you have a clip show with all brand new clips. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a brilliant show. If you're a more conventional, less imaginative show, you might have sure a, a traditional clip show, or you might have any show that runs long enough. It's, it's going it, to have, it, it also goes from the thing
2: of, uh, Harris. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like we've talked about this before. Sorry. This is a little bit of a sidebar from what no, you're talking cool. about, but, um, I I talk about this all the time because it it just amazes me how much this happens. But I watch a lot of movies. It's something I do a lot. I I love watching (laughs) movies. I've seen a bunch. And I've gotten to the point where it's nearly impossible for me to truly be surprised by something that happens in a movie Mm -hmm. or completely not see something coming. Even if Mm -hmm. maybe I don't know what's going to happen, I know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I 100% either blame or credit watching professional wrestling for like 20 years as the reason. <laughs> I don't think it comes from watching a lot of movies. I think it comes from professional wrestling. And I'm not even joking. This is not a joke. Yeah, I feel like I can predict every – I feel like I can see everything coming. It's just because week in and week out, you see a million different stories, and stories are basically the same. There, you know, there's what six or seven different types of stories. That's what that there they are, some like that. I don't know the
1: specifics. Sure, know which sure. One it is.
2: But you know, it, 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 storytelling is a very basic thing, and, and there's not yep. a whole lot of different ways to do it. And so when you see literally what five to six stories every episode, every week of wrestling, I've just gotten to the point where I just see, like, every, I can see everything. Like, it's just, and I blame wrestling for that. And I I was wondering, I know you've been watching a lot less than I have, but I was wondering if you have found yourself in this same position
1: as well. Uh, It's hard to say because I don't watch as many movies as you do, and a big part of it is, like, I think it's the medium itself. Like I said, I, I like noticing that, like, every TV show has these certain kinds of episodes, like event episodes. Yeah. The My favorite one, hang on, I have two stories on this point, and we're oh,
0: perfect. We're in
1: a tangent, but like we already said, we peaked for this episode anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> we'll we let it happen. We did. Number one, my favorite trope, I think of them as like TV episode tropes more than movie tropes, just because that's like, that's something you can transparently see the writers like running out of room
0: yeah,
1: and just going with a cliche, but my favorite one, is any kind of story where they have a Hollywood episode where they get a movie deal and a big Hollywood producer comes in and makes a movie about them. <laughs> but it's all wrong. Yeah, And it's different than what it's like for them in real life. And these Hollywood people are just so different because every person that like writes or makes movies or TV shows for a living thinks that what they do is super interesting and they want to like put that own slant on their own fictional characters. So you see that happen. All the time. And I think that's really Mm -hmm. funny. That's like a fun kind of event episode. Yeah. There's another one we're going to get to in just a second. But my other story along those lines, and this is my favorite example of what you were just talking about. Uh, when CM Punk like, first left WWE and was giving his like big exit interview with Colt Cabana a few months later, right? he actually talks about this exact thing. And I don't know if you remember this example, but oh, I love yes, this Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know he's exactly like, what you're talking about. He's he's like, yeah, I've been watching a lot of movies with my wife. Yeah, Jurassic Park. I never saw because I was too busy. He's like, yeah, and we watched Jurassic Park for the first time. And Colt Cabana was like, what? Man, you never saw Jurassic Park? That's crazy. And Punk's like, yeah, and guess what? I totally called the T-Rex space turn at the end. <laughs> I kid you not. I looked at my wife when they're surrounded by velociraptors and I said, oh, geez, if only there was a good guy dinosaur that could come save them. <laughs> Boom. Right on cue. Yep. And he's like, what yep. can I tell you, man? I know storytelling. And it was just like, that's ah, that's awesome. Yep. You're exactly right. It's the same thing. Like if it you're good is. at one, you're good at the other. And Cody – Cody Rhodes is a great example of that going in the opposite direction where you can tell he is constantly yeah. working his love of, like, movies and TV shows and comic books into what he does as a wrestler. And that's super mm-hmm. fun to watch. Yeah. It's all it's all the same thing, man.
2: Yeah. But so – Because uh, – and the reason why I'm thinking about it now is because just the other week for my other podcast and Cape Crusaders Review, one of the things we do is movie swap – where we pick a different movie for the other one to watch. Now we've actually transitioned that to a YouTube show, which was going to start this week. <laughs> so check that out, uncap Crusaders Review on YouTube. Um, but anyway, so for last week, I watched The Game, the uh, David Fincher movie with um, uh, Michael Douglas. And the whole thing is it's this big psychological thing where he's in a game, but... There's like a million twists, and ultimately, I didn't really like the movie. I feel like it was just David Fincher. There's really no plot, and there's really not even any characters. (laughs) It's literally just a movie where you're just going to confuse the audience, and every time you think Mm -hmm. something's one thing, it just twists. So the whole time, I'm sitting there trying to figure everything out. And at least half the things. So I was just like, oh, okay, she was listening to him say that, and that's going to mean that. And they clearly tapped the phone there. And oh, there's the van. And oh, it's the same letters as this thing. Like it was, and so it was, but it was just funny. And that, that's what made me think about it. Because probably about half the stuff in that movie I either saw completely coming or at least knew that the thing happening was not the actual thing happening. and it's just it's just and that's just made me think about it anytime i watch a movie that's like that it makes me think of that and i'm just like you know i kind of wish i just (laughs) didn't have all this just in there already where i i knew the way certain beats happen and stuff like that and part of that comes from watching a lot of movies but uh, i think a massive chunk of that comes from being a professional wrestling fan and i think it puts it on a whole different level so if you guys (laughs) also have experienced this of uh Ha- it difficult to be surprised by movies or TV shows just know it's probably due to you watching a lot of professional wrestling let us know in the comments tweet us at behind underscore gorilla about examples where you saw something coming in a movie because you're a wrestling fan anyway that's
1: a long tangent back to the garbage truck no it's cool that's right kids pro wrestling makes you smarter regardless of what you might hear on this podcast exactly so. <laughs> So we're back We're back in the ring. All right, hang on, 85. Harris. I'm sorry. Yep. When, oh, while, yep. while we're still on a tangent,
2: now this sure. has nothing to do with anything we talked about, but I just thought cool. of it for some random reason. So yeah. we've talked about this before. I don't know if I've actually talked about it on the podcast, but our two most listened episodes by far are two episodes with where sex is in the title, <laughs> and it's Edge and Lena's live sex celebration, and it's uh, Tori Wilson and Billy Kidman and the sex tape storyline from WCW. By mm-hmm. far, our two most listened to episodes. I, so I was just like, there's got to be a reason. Other than just sex title, entitled, like, there's got to be a reason for this. And sure enough, Harris, if you type in Tori Wilson's sex on Google, it is the sixth thing that comes yes! up is our yes! episode. Why? I don't know, but it is. And if you type in, if you just type in Edge Lita's sex, We don't show up on the first page, but if you type in Edge Lita Live Sex Celebration, it is like the fifth one. It's our our website in that episode again. So that must be why these are getting such – so many listens is they're literally showing up on like the front page of Google So Mama, I made it. That has nothing to do with anything else. Oh, my goodness. Just wanted to throw that out there because I realized that like yesterday. I was like, there's got to be a reason for this.
1: And I just started searching and boom, there we go. That's why. By the way, on the same note, shout out to my buddy, Kale McClure, who DM'd me, doesn't listen to the show, I guarantee you, is not a wrestling fan at all, but he DM'd me like a two minute long video of Edge and Lita like slowly stripping in the ring. And just said, Harris, you're the only person I know who watches wrestling. Can you please explain this? And I was like, and he didn't mean it this way, but he said it in a way that was like, I dare you to justify this. And I was just like, man, I don't know what to tell you.
2: I do. Listen to the episode.
1: I did. I sent him the link and I was like, listen, he was, uh, he was a jerk. And that was like his character. And that was the whole point was like, look at what a horrible person this guy is, but also tune in and see some PG-13 stripping kids, you know, like they tried to have their cake and eat it too. And like, he's a good performer, but I agree that it's trashy. And he just said, yeah, I'm not a fan. And I was like, ah, <laughs> can I send you a CM Punk match maybe? Or Please, Wrestlemania no, wait. 25. Like, it's literally not like anything this, come else. back. Oh no, okay. But to be fair, we're not ones
2: to talk because we're all we do is highlight those those things in wrestling that, that you don't want anyone else to see. This whole I know,
1: show. I failed him. So... Anyway, okay. oh, that's funny.
2: Anyway, that is in, nothing to do with me. back
1: I'm to the trash in reeling this conversation back in, and I'll just go ahead and say, just for the change of pace, I, I'll, I'll say it now. I actually, this is a good, this is like a crazy good episode, not a crazy bad episode. We are in the sure. ring. It's 2005. Eric Bischoff is on the hot seat, but Vince McMahon points out, I have two podiums. I have a chair. I'm a fair man. I'm going to make sure that you have your day in court. Tonight's episode, live on Raw, will be The Trial of Eric Bischoff.
2: Oh boy. If I ever thought of something that fit perfectly in with
1: wrestling, it is a court of law. It's a courtroom drama episode, you know? Like every TV show that's ever existed has to have one episode. Or it's the whole show. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So Vince has appointed himself judge, obviously. What a surprise. But... But he's not an unfair man. He's given Eric Bischoff a defender, and he's appointed – he's designated a special prosecutor. So first he calls the defense attorney to the ring because they're going to have their opening statements here to, to start the show. And he calls out the defense attorney, and it's Jonathan Coachman. That's a – see, you know you're you know, you're in trouble right off the bat. <laughs> right off the okay, bat. Okay, but like here's the th- – like he's – He's obviously a stooge, and he's like a doofy guy, but he looks – it's not like it's like – I can't think of a 2005 equivalent, but it's not like he's calling out R-Truth, right? Like this is a guy that's like a <laughs> doofus, but he's very – he's put together, That'd be amazing. and he's got a suit on
2: and a Oh my gosh, I want to see that so bad now. I want just some skit of R-Truth being some sort of attorney. Mm-hmm for for whatever it doesn't even matter it can be literally yep. be for anything and there there could be not even a skit involved and no one else yep. even there and it would be
1: i really want to see that r-truth as a lawyer r-truth can do and anything 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 at all that's the thing this is the common thread of this episode there's so many fun like genre hits that you can just play but replace wrestlers with the main roles and it works like it's it's great he makes his way to the ring. He's like he looks like a professional though, right? Like he's got a suit on. He's got like these really nice like transition shades on. You know, he like, cleans up nice. Super, yeah, super professional, super trendy. I'm pretty sure he has a good education in real life. I'm not really sure about his whole thing as a character, but he's he's utterly professional, right? He makes his way down to the ring, and then he gives this opening statement. He says, "Hey man, don't worry. I got this. I got this." And he puts his briefcase down. He says. Your Honor, my client, Eric Bischoff, is an a-hole. <laughs> and the crowd just goes nuts, obviously, because we're all 13.
2: Okay. And they Harris, start
1: chanting, you know.
2: Can I can I pause again? I'm sorry. Yep, absolutely. Because that just reminded me. We, we mentioned Community earlier. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite TV show of all time. I've seen it a million times. It's great. It's on Netflix now. Please watch it. Um... But well, there's an episode in season two where there's a character that Jeff hates called Rich. And he's just like the perfect goody two-shoes guy, and Jeff can't stand him because he's perfect. So the whole group wants to induct him into the group, but he doesn't. So he goes so far as to pick Chang to be his pick <laughs> to be in the group. Now, for those of you that don't know, Chang is played by Ken Jeong, and he's just a complete moron and that everyone hates. So Jeff is trying to sell Chang to the group, and he's a lawyer, and so he's trying to sell him, and he just goes – I don't remember exactly what word, he he says, but he's just like, you know, Chang is is a horrible person. He says something like that right off the bat, and Chang just immediately goes, let him finish, like before he even (laughs) continues on. And that's that's all I can think of when you just said that about (laughs) Coachman coming out and being like, my client – is an a hole <laughs> right off the bat? It's all yeah. I could think about. That that and made me laugh. That was very funny.
1: It's honestly, it it is kind of a um, yeah, it's kind of a Jeff Winger moment. To be honest, he, like the, you the know, point the, the point of
2: the episode, sorry, is he, he he basically explains that Chang's all these terrible things, but we know that mm-hmm, you, what mm-hmm. you see is what you get. We don't know anything yeah. about Rich, and who knows what he could be? Like that that's his yeah. that's his defense. That's the way he spins it. But it's yeah. just so funny the way it starts,
1: yeah. like that. And That's actually that, that it's it's a it goes in a pretty similar direction. That's what he's you know he says. Listen, Eric Bischoff is an a hole. Eric Bischoff is not your friend, but Eric Bischoff is not paid to be your friend. Eric Bischoff is not paid to be a nice person. Eric Bischoff is paid to deliver the most entertaining sports entertainment product, week in and week out. And by the time we finish here tonight, I'm going to prove that not only does he deserve to keep his job, he deserves to get a raise. And Eric Bischoff's like, yeah, all right, let's go. And Vince Vince <laughs> is in classic, like, Vince acting mode where he's like, oh, yeah, this is all very interesting. Uh-huh. You know, like you can see his face in your mind's eye. He's just like, oh, all right, interesting. And then he calls out the prosecution. And it's Mick Foley, everybody. Woo! Mick Foley is the prosecuting attorney. And he's te- like he's clearly like grown up Mick Foley. like he's not Cactus Jack, right? Yeah. He's not mankind. He's like grown up like GM, you know, he's been the authority figure. Yeah, a couple yeah times he was before, GM it like, was, and it was he's great. Yeah, he's like responsible GM Mick Foley. He's not wearing like a suit, like a three-piece suit, but he's got like slacks and like a dark shirt and a sport coat on, like all black, like very formal. Uh, he doesn't have a briefcase. He's got a little tin Batman lunchbox. But you know, <laughs> nobody's—he's
2: my hero. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible.
1: And he comes down to the ring, and his opening statement also sounds a little off. He says, "Actually, Eric Bischoff is responsible for making Raw the legendary show that it is today." And everybody goes, "What?" And Vince goes, "What? what, what? You know, like you oh, know, murmur, murmur, murmur. And Mick Foley says, yeah, that's right, because, you know, all the way back in WCW, he's the one who got on live television and decided to tell everybody that I was going to win the world title that night. He tried to ruin the best night of my life, but uh, jokes on him, that was the night that Raw took the lead in the ratings war. Millions of people changed the channel, and Raw's been on top ever since, and everybody's like, yeah, let's go. You know, it's not exactly true, Mick. but it's a fair, it's a fair <laughs> point. You know fair yeah, point. Right. Fair I point. mean, that's obviously you know the, the the twist of the knife a little bit. Sure, of course. But as a GM, since he took over Monday Night Raw, he's been a terrible choice, and he's failed the WWE, and he's failed their fans. And you might think, all right, all right, you know, they've each they've heard both sides of the case, and now Vince is going to make his decision. Oh no, Vince says, "Well, thank you very much for your open like statements. those are the open statements. We haven't brought on any witnesses. Correct." So we're going to be resuming the trial in a more favorable location. We're going to the WWE Court of Law. Of course. And the opening statement, you know, this segment's over. We cut commercial. We cut back. And the WWE Court of Law is not some, like, makeshift ramshackle operation backstage in a locker room somewhere. No, no, no. This is in the actual city of North Charleston, South Carolina <laughs> Municipal Court building. Like we cut like they presumably <laughs> left, like ran backstage, all got into cars, drove straight to this court and Vince got himself all set up and like get the camera set up and then they're ready to go. It's, hey, those building. are long
2: commercial breaks, Harris.
1: It could be one of those things where it's like across the street, you know, but <laughs> who knows? who's who's to say. So just keep that in mind cuz whenever you have a witness cuz occasionally there will be some crossover, they have to like go to another building, like drive across town to get back to the show. Sure. one way or the other. <laughs> so So Vince's got he's got set up on his bench, he's got a little gavel, he's got a robe on, he's got like old man reading glasses on. He looks he looks very professional. I got to give it to him. He looks very serious, very formal, you know, and he calls the court's order. He bangs the gavel and, he, you know, he introduces, you know, you know, the prosecution and the defendant and his attorney. And this is the bailiff, Chris Masters. And Chris Masters oh, is yeah. standing there in like slacks and a little police hat. Please and tell absolutely- me he has no shirt. No shirt. Absolutely yes. not. Absolutely <laughs> nothing else other than pants, like formal pants and a belt and a little police hat on. Like Perfect. he looks like a corporate cane. He's yeah, chip but and he's nails a bail dancer. Yes. So he's the bailiff. You know, and Vince is like, you know, and hopefully nobody will be found uh, in contempt and Chris Masters is like flexing his pecs while he's talking. It's amazing. He's the masterpiece. He is. And hey, we'll get to that. So <laughs> Oh boy. He puts so Vince says, All right, McFoley, you can call your first witness. And Mick says, Thank you, Vince. And Vince says, Oh, it's your honor. And he's like, All oh, right, I'm sorry, your honor. It's like a Three Stooges sketch.
2: And he calls uh, Sidebar. That is my yeah. favorite Three Stooges episode, by the way. It's a really D- good Disorder one. Disorder in it? the Court is the best Three Stooges oh, episode. Oh, man, there, now there, I really there, want to watch that. There one. are unlimited amazing Three Stooges episodes, but that is my favorite for sure. Oh, man. I want to rewatch that one now because that one's
1: so good. But it's
2: – right, take moments. your head off. Raise your right hand. Put your left hand
1: here. <laughs> he just keeps doing the same thing, cycling over and over and over. It's, oh, wonderful, it's wonderful. All right. So Mick Foley gets his first witness, and it's Stephanie McMahon. And they have – like it's complete with entrance music for every witness they call. <laughs> and <laughs> – the that's only thing better. that could have made it any better is if they literally had somebody standing by the door, like, with a boombox. And they <laughs> didn't do that. But I can I only assume he's, like, just off screen. Like, some poor intern is standing there with a boombox for all of these people. Because that's the, they're in a courthouse. Like, you've seen the exterior. Like, you, this is a different building. Right. It's not a stage. It's a courthouse. Like, you can tell. So... <laughs> So Stephanie makes her way to the box and sits down and she just, you know, she's she's insufferable. She looks like, you know, the spoiled brat that she always plays on TV at this point. But Mick says, "You know, you have professional experience as a general manager, right?" She says, "Yes, I do." And he says, "And do you think that Eric Bischoff has ever conducted himself inappropriately?" And Stephanie says, "Well, I'd love to answer that, Mick, but first, I just want to say for the record." And she like looks straight at Bischoff and she's like, I just want to say that me and my brother both think that Eric Bischoff is bad at his job, and I hope he gets fired. And I'm like, I don't think that's allowed in like an actual uh, court of law. Yeah, no. I don't know if you can just come in and be like, yeah, this dude totally did it, and I hope you kill him. Anyway, <laughs> like it doesn't work like that. But I guess Vince wouldn't know, would he? Because he's not an actual judge. There's a couple weird moments. Yeah, I'm like sure. That, I'm sure Vince so. has
2: never been in an actual courtroom before. <laughs> To be be honest, if there was
1: anyone who should know how a court proceeding go, you'd think it would be. That's true. Maybe that's what happened to him. Maybe they just called him out right away, and he's just like, oh, this is normal. I don't know. (laughs) So then she says, but, 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 all that aside, I think actions speak louder than words, and I think we should show them the tape. And Mick Foley says, all right, all right, everyone, I'd like to draw your attention to Exhibit A. And he's got – like he's a substitute teacher. He's got like a little wheeled-in television (laughs) that he presents and like the camera zooms in on. And this is the only time, by the way, in WWE history that people watch TV like at a normal angle because it's like in a corner of the room behind all of the – like to the right of Vince's bench and like even with where the like lawyers are walking around. So it's like a good place to put a TV. Like it makes sense, and they're standing across (laughs) the room watching it anyway. We flash all the way back to what I only assume is a Halloween party in 2002, okay. uh, back when Eric Bischoff first got here. And he approaches Stephanie backstage. He's wearing a rubber Vince McMahon mask. And he, he pulls it off, says something inappropriate, grabs her by the throat, and just sticks his tongue right down her throat. And she freaks out <laughs> and kind of starts to slap him a little bit. And then like leans into it a little bit and like embraces him and then pushes him off, and then that's the end of the tape. And like this, is, you know, this is, this was an actual episode of SmackDown. I'm not sure what the repercussions of that were. Like he was on Raw at the time; she was the GM of SmackDown. It was a whole rivalry.
2: Oh yeah, no, it's great. And, like,
1: frankly, that should be enough to get a man fired right there. Particularly uh, now, with the uh, woman you this, did that to is the boss's daughter. But this is but, WWE. Well, exactly. I assume Vince was like, ah, listen, if you can fire a man. Hey, it's, it's, part, it's part of the show. <laughs> he's like, I would not have a job. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> most disturbing. You know, but he's like, huh, 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 yeah, that's really interesting. Says you know, whatever. the man who
2: paraded around with a different female employee
1: in front of everybody for like two well, years. And presumably that's what he's thinking, right? Vince is like, hmm, oh, you know, we've all done it, right? <laughs> And Coachman is like, he doesn't say any of this, but this is just me projecting. And Coachman is like, uh yeah, I object. What is this? And Mitch just goes, shut up. I mean, uh, uh, overruled. Overruled. <laughs> like he's gotta think about it for a second. So we, you know, we cut back to the show. Like, raw is still happening. There's matches going on. I don't talk about that many of them. But the next time we, you know, we cut back to the municipal court. And now Tajiri is on the stand and he's got an interpreter because, you know, he's a Japanese wrestler. He doesn't Mm -hmm. speak that much English and he's talking and she says, Tajiri says that he has been a huge superstar in both Japan and ECW. And yet Eric Bischoff has ignored this and not given him the spotlight, you know, and Tajiri goes on to, you know, and, and he keeps talking and then she looks at him and says, Tajiri also wishes to say that he wishes for a pregnant rhinoceros to shove its (laughs) mighty horn up Eric Bischoff's anal crevice. (laughs) Bischoff and Coachman both look horrified, and Mick Foley is, like, not paying that much attention, and Vince is just, like, nodding serenely, like, okay, okay. Okay, sure. And Tajiri stands up, and he he, himself, he says, Bischoff? And then the translator goes, Bischoff? And then Tajiri kind of looks at her, and she's like, (laughs) oh, right, okay, you got this. (laughs) And kind of drifts away. See, says, I, 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 I
2: love, I love that stuff. It's great.
1: She's not a good translator, clearly, and that was a little <laughs> racist of her to imitate his broken English. But hey, what are you going to do? And he says, you know, doing the best he can. He says, Bischoff, I hope you get fired. And Vince says, Well, this is all very interesting. Uh, do you, do you have any questions for the witness? And Eric Coachman says, No, but um, he consults with with Bischoff for a second. He says, We do consult. We, we do request that uh, Tajiri get back to the arena as quickly as possible because we've just booked him in a match with Triple H, and she, <laughs> Tajiri just stands up, as furious. He jumps out of the box and is, like, about to attack Bischoff, and then Chris Masters is the bailiff, like, grabs him and carries him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> carries him away. So, you know, that's, that's I, it for I, that. Hold witness. on.
2: I love the fact that they're still running the show yeah. during all of this from across the town ta- uh, town in a courtroom
1: yep. i love yeah that. i don't i don't know who's booking stuff backstage it's probably chaos in the locker rooms because vince is on the other side of town <laughs> along with the gm eric bischoff right. he's still the gm at this point i don't that. who, who knows everybody's just playing along i suppose so to so jerry's out he's hauled off he's got a match to get ready for and then mick foley calls his next witness to the stand and it's Mae Young. Now Mae Young, by the way, like might not be on our Mount Rushmore, but she definitely deserves like a place of honor in our Hall of Fame. She usually makes an appearance
2: is... in every storyline mm-hmm. at some point for at least a week,
1: at least one segment. And that segment. woman is down for some of the dumbest stuff you've ever laid oh, eyes she'll on. Oh, still do anything? And like, yeah, and she's like, she's smart enough to know one, this is entertaining, and two, I'm super old and gross so that can get me over if i do mm-hmm. ridiculous stuff and it did she was down for oh, yeah. anything so she's ma- she's making her way to the ring and jerry's losing his mind you know he's like she was a witness when david killed Goliath. and then we <laughs> it's, the commentary is is, is it's, it's not the best but it's very good it has its moments in this episode and we cut to a commercial and we come back And she's been talking just the entire time because we cut back from commercial. And the first thing we hear is Mae Young say, and that's why Eric Bischoff has no penis. So I don't know why, but, you know, Foley is trying to get it back on track because Coachman's like, hey, objection. There's no evidence that that's true. (laughs) And Vince is like, sustained, sustained. That's hearsay. You know, like he's got his, his professional hat on.
2: Although, to be fair, I would kind of like it if Vince was like, all right, stand up, drop him, Eric. We'll find out once and for all. On the record,
1: yeah. So, Mick Foley turns our attention to Exhibit B. And I'll be honest with you, like, Mick Foley, I I think he's overstepped a little bit here because he's trying to show more evidence of Eric Bischoff's inappropriate behavior. But what he instead shows is like a highlight reel of all the times that Mae Young has sexually assaulted him. Over the last three years, like made out with him in the ring when Eric Bischoff didn't want to kiss her. There's one spot I don't remember. I don't know the context, but like she takes her her pants off and she's got like old timey underwear held up by suspenders and gives him like a stink face in the corner of the ring. Mm -hmm. It's just her sexually humiliating Eric Bischoff like over and over and over again. And then it cuts back to the courtroom. And again, you know, Bischoff like looks like he's trying not to be sick. And Coachman is like, yeah, again. I object. He says, this witness is clearly, this witness is old, senile, clearly oversexed. And she's, she's literally taunting my client right now, right now. And it cuts to Mae Young and Mae Young, Mark. I'm not, I I, I hate to be crass, but Mae Young has like her two forefingers spread apart, holding them up to her chin and her tongue, like waggling up and down in between her two fingers, which, you know, I certainly don't know what that means, but if I were a if I were a more immoral person, I might think it had something to do with implied oral sex, if sure. if I knew anything about that sort of thing. But right. she's just giving it to him, staring him right in the eyes, just blah, 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 you know, like ninety five years old. And Vince is like, "All right, all right, yeah, sustained. You know, that's that's fair." Uh, she doesn't really seem to have anything to add to this conversation, so she makes <laughs> her way out of the courtroom. And now it's time. Again, this is a segment or two later. Like the show is proceeding relatively well, actually, back across town. And now it's time for Coachman's first witness, and it's it's our very own bailiff, Chris Masters. Okay. And again, Vince. Vince is, you know, he's very, very serious. This is his honor. Vince McMahon, you know, he's a judge. He's like, oh well, this is all highly irregular, <laughs> but, but sure. he allows it. So he gets up and he's like, I, I would appreciate it if you take your hat off, you know, just like Three Stooges. And Chris Masters takes off the hat. He's not wearing a shirt, but he took his hat off and takes his seat in the we- in the witness box. And um, Coachman stands up and he's he's got this line of questioning ready. You can tell. He says, this is a witness who's, you know, he's he's been, this is proof that Eric Bischoff has been good for Monday Night Raw because this is a performer who's climbed up the card and risen to the main event level by cooperating with Eric Bischoff and helping him do his job and being a good employee. And he's been rewarded for it. Like he's got this whole line of questioning and logic, like clearly planned out, but you know, of course you got to go on record, just get some basic information down, establish that they're under oath before you proceed with the actual testimony. Right. So he sits down and he says, okay, thank you for, thank you for joining us here. Um, what is your name for the record? And Chris Masters says, uh, My name is Chris Masters. He says, Thank you. Now, Masterpiece, when you first started, and Vince goes, ah, 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 This witness has committed perjury. Okay. I happen to know that the witness's name is Chris Mordesky, which I guess is his real life name. I didn't research it that. It
2: probably is.
1: Right. But it's the second or third, like, fun little nod to the smart marks out there. You know, and it also kind of makes sense that, like, this guy's name wouldn't be Chris Masters because that's kind of too perfect. It has to be a stage name. Sure, But again, as are every single name
2: in all of the WWE because WWE wants to own them.
1: Right. But so Vince points this out, pumps the brakes on the whole thing and says this witness has committed perjury. But for the record, it is more desky. That is actually great. So he says this witness is therefore disqualified from the court. Bailiff? Would you please remove yourself? <laughs> and Chris Masters stands up and walks out. All so right, he's done. Sure, sure. Yep, sure. I don't. Uh, I don't know why he couldn't also be the bailiff and just not be a witness. But he's gone. He he's removed he's himself out. from Goodbye. the court. He's gone <laughs> without much of a fuss either. By the way, he's just like, no, that's fair, and he just left so uh coach's next witness again because the show is taking place on the other side of town is not here yet presumably he thought he would have some time to interview chris masters right so he's like uh my other witness isn't here yet we gotta wait but like i just gave him a call they're on their way but it's just like fine 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 you know so we cut back to the show we cut back to the court you know a few minutes later later in the evening uh, and we see Divari actually, from an- another episode we did, a few episodes, I think, but most recently working with Muhammad Hassan and Behind mm-hmm. the Guerrilla Lore. And Coachman is pursuing the same line of questioning. You know, well, you know, you've faced a lot of adversity and bigotry in this country, but hasn't Eric Bischoff always given you a job and an opportunity to succeed when no one else would? And aren't you happy to be here and on and on and on, you know? And Daivari is just gushing. He says, yes. In fact, you know, Eric Bischoff is responsible for all my success, and I have a job, that I, a job that I love and I'm proud of. And to be honest with you, Mick Foley, I think the show's way better now than it ever was when you were in charge. And I think Eric Bischoff is a great choice to be general manager. Perfect, right? Absolutely mm-hmm. nailed it. Yeah. Couldn't ask for anything better if you're Bischoff and Eric Coachman. And then the camera kind of tracks back to Vince. And Vince has headphones in. <laughs> And he kind of looks around, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." He takes his headphones out, and he's like, "I didn't, I didn't hear you. I was just listening to, uh, I was listening to Ashley Simpson on my new iPod." And he holds up like the newest iPod. "I was just listening to Ashley Simpson on my new iPod." Christ, she sucks. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't hear anything that you just said.
2: All right, I don't know why. That, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject yeah. here again, because uh, I've, I've been, I've been. You know, I've just been casually listening. I interjected a little bit too much earlier, so I've been I've been letting it go. As Abed would say, I'm laying low for this part of the show. <laughs> um, again, more community reference. Um but I I was gonna say, as I've been sitting here, you know, listening to you go through the story, I've been thinking, you know, to be fair, Vince has been a pretty good judge up to this point i mean right he's been yeah, listening this is he's been turn. he's been sustaining objections you know he's trying to keep order he's even disqualifying a guy that lied you know from the from the box you know he's being a good judge um this has stopped like just seemingly out of nowhere he's just immediate yeah. he's just now not 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 being a good judge so what's up with that
1: I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, you're right, given the rest of the episode, because the joke is like, oh, man, Vince is really good at this. Right. And it was pretty serious, and now, yeah, like, it doesn't really work for the character of Mr. McMahon, the judge they've established.
2: Well, we had, to, bear, we had to bury Ashley like,
1: Simpson somehow, I guess, so I guess that was the easiest way to right. do it. Yeah, weird, yeah weirdly specific. It's like, was it an ad for an iPod? Because he pulls one out. Is it? Did he want to show off that he had an iPod? Like, it's Maybe it was specific. like the Instagram like-
2: people who'd want to get sponsored by certain right. things. So they start tagging a po- uh, different companies yeah. and all their mm, stuff. That's true. You know, hoping think, to get those advertising dollars.
1: Maybe it's one of those things. Like the only thing I can think of is this must have actually, like Vince McMahon must have either just gotten an iPod and loved it or just heard an Ashley Simpson song and hated it, because it's too <laughs> abrupt, but also too specific to be anything right. else. Right. Like, it's too weird. And Vince McMahon doesn't understand references to things. Oh, so no, it must no. be something he, knows nothing. he gets personally. I don't know what happened here. It doesn't make any sense. But I can only assume that, like, what happened was, he put it on while they were waiting for the witness to arrive, and was just yeah, kind of off yeah. in his own world listening to ashley simpson and coachman should have done a better job getting his attention before the witness took the stand that's the only thing i can think of doesn't make a lot of that's sense fair. but like it, it is it is established fact that they were sitting around for a while waiting for Devari to get there so right, you know i'm right. sure it's possible he just kind of lost track of himself the sure. coachman of course is horrified he's like oh i'm so sorry well listen we can we can start over because he needs to repeat that testimony and then says Ah, no, nah, to be honest, I, I don't really want to hear any of it. Uh, and he calls for a recess and he bangs his gavel. And before you can think, hey, again, like not super objective of you, Vince. Right. Nick Foley goes, all right, recess, and opens his lunchbox and starts eating a moon pie out of his lunchbox because it's recess. <laughs> but that's not, re eh, you know, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, moon pie. We cut to a commercial. Moonpies are great. I'll give him that. And then we cut, you know, so we cut back, and Coachman is calling another witness. I, he mentions it being somebody from SmackDown, and the music starts to play again, presumably like an intern with a boombox just off screen. But I just
2: like to think of it as, like, in movies when, you know, a character has a certain theme song, but
1: it's mm-hmm. just
2: like the, the score of the movie. Mm-hmm. That, that's
1: what I'm thinking of, you know? It just music <laughs> okay, comes well, from somewhere. At any rate, whoever this next witness for Coachman is doesn't come out. And then all of a sudden, like like the undead weirdo that he is, the boogeyman shows up in the witness box. Okay. Now does he have the clock with him? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. He's got good. A clock. Good. Good. Oh yeah. So, I don't think we've touched on the boogeyman much on this show. It's Kind of shocking. That is
2: kind of weird that we haven't done more of the boogeyman. That's a good point. There's an
1: episode I might that might that might be on my list for the next time I have a topic. Uh, boogeyman was man who, uh, like, entirely gimmick no actual skill but mm-hmm. like his gimmick was so good that you're entertained by him anyway like to yeah. a ridiculous degree he's get, his head is painted like black and red and he eats looks kind of like a strawberry yeah he's a terrifying human being he eats worms like legit, literally for real like it's, yeah he's got one like while he's testifying he like appears in the witness box like rises up like you know that you know that dumb trick where it looks like you're walking down stairs <laughs> he just kind of sp- <laughs> pops his head straight up. Like he ascended from the floor and he's got a clock in one hand and he's got like a worm falling out of his mouth and Mm -hmm. up his nose and back down his nose. And it's wriggling a little bit. And he says something like very weird and nonsensical. He starts cutting this insane boogeyman promo (laughs) about how, you know, time's up for you. And when time's up, that'll be he smashes the clock on his forehead and everyone is just looking on in horror. Vince is horrified. Foley is unsettled. Coachman and Bischoff look like they're about to pee their pants. They're absolutely terrified. But there's no bailiff anymore to, like, get this guy out of here. I mean, you can't – Yeah, like, you're you kind of stuck with up. him. Kind of stuck yeah, you with can't him. Get, yeah, you just got to let him kind of do his thing. And eventually he finishes crashing, you know, crashing the show, cutting his promo. <laughs> And then he just descends again, like straight down <laughs> and it's straight, dude, you talk about the three stooges or like something Don Knotts would do in the Andy Griffith show. Like all of them look down, like stand up and look down really <laughs> nervously. Like they're going to see him, you know, hiding underneath the chair or something. You're right. Um, didn't really make a lot of sense. Didn't make a great case for Coachman. Didn't really make a great case against Bischoff either, if I'm being honest with you. He didn't have a lot to say, and you couldn't make out much of what he did have to say other than, hey, this guy's got a worm in his nose. That's pretty weird. Yeah,
2: well, he sometimes – Anyway, he...
1: the show goes on. And by the way, I just – we're, we're going to come back to this just because I enjoy it. This is our B-plot of this episode of Raw. Ric Flair didn't show up. Like he was <laughs> never booked to be on the show. They just said that. They just lied. They were like, yeah, we got Ric Flair here to talk about that time. He almost killed a man this week. He's not like oh, he's laying low, man. He's presumably got like a court date coming up. His lawyers were like, you're not going to appear as Ric Flair on television and talk about running this guy off the road. Like, no, he's not. He was never there. <laughs> they just lied.
0: They Boo. just lied.
1: <laughs> so Edge and Lee to come out to the ring. Oh, no. cut, Like a oh, two no. minute promo on oh, Ric okay. Flair and okay, what a dirtbag he is. And then they're interrupted by Michael P.S. Hayes and Sergeant Slaughter, and they get into a shouting match, and then Edge beats them both up. That's uh, the course. segment. Ric Flair was never even in the <laughs> arena. I just love that because that's probably one of the best, like, overpromise and underdeliver WWE has ever done. That's pretty it great, just, yeah. It cracked me up because I was watching this and I was like, oh, man, I got to watch this segment of right. The Cutting Edge. No, well, to nothing. be fair,
2: nobody ever. Would have stayed around for the Cutting Edge. So I mean, you know, they had to to do something. It worked. Ah, that the Cutting Edge might be the worst wrestlers talk show of all time. Of like, of just the worst person to do just an (laughs) in ring talk show. (laughs) I mean, one, it's because it's Edge, so automatically it's the worst thing ever. But two, like Edge doesn't do a talk like that. Anyway, that doesn't fit with his character. Like, Jericho's perfect no. for it, or, right. or Roddy exactly. Piper is perfect for it, you know. Exactly.
1: Or, but yeah, anyway. So I, I guess the only reason that you could kind of tie this back in is it kind of just proves that the show is running wild with no Vince and no GM there. And poor Michael P.S. Hayes and Sergeant Slaughter are like the substitute teachers who have to come out and are like, all right, stop, you're done, you went too far, you're being super mean your segment's over, stop. And Edge is like, no, turn their mic off. This is my show. Turn their mic off. And then they do, like they keep Edge's mic on, even Uh, though he's just a wrestler. Doesn't make any sense. It's a pretty great little train wreck of a segment, especially considering they promised, hey, we're going to have a weirdly emotional Ric Flair here to talk about his road rage incident that actually happened. They don't do that. But anyway, after that happens, we cut back, and it's now time. We're, We're starting to wrap things up here. It's time for Mick Foley's final witness. Do you have any guesses? Because I don't think you're going to guess it unless you uh, already know what happens. I mean, I'm going to turn it off if it's Hornswoggle. Okay, that's fair. I'm leaving. it, And it would be like – you can think of people that I guess would be pretty great like thematically. Like it's David Arquette. It's Vince Russo. Sure, like, sure, sure. You know, somebody really fun. But they actually do something completely different and again like – genuinely good and I'll touch on this again when we, when I like recap but they call out Maria oh okay. Maria Canellis that's an interesting choice it's an interesting choice and okay
2: again we've if, you, about if you a,
1: we've talked about Maria a few times a little bit like I'm gonna explain it again because I wasn't familiar with her character before she Got two free pregnancies out of WWE and then got cut, which is a baller move, and I respect it. That is an awesome, awesome. move,
2: yeah. They did. They, Good they, for her. They
1: got that. That was great. But before she did that, she was the the backstage reporter. And I want to be delicate with how I put this. Like, obviously— No, I won't. If you're Okay, no. No, well, hang on. Let me just say this first, okay? The job of a backstage reporter, not that it's, you know, an easy job to do or whatever, but your job is to look pretty— ask some pretty basic questions and just, and be likable. So you can make the baby faces look better when they give you a good answer that, you know, the audience wants to like, and you make the heels get even more heat when they snap at you for no reason. Right. Right. That's like, that's kind of your job and that's still their job to this day. Yes. Maria was that formula just dialed all the way up to 12, just the dumbest silliest, like stupid hot, but like, the the most stereotypical like wrestling diva image you can picture in two thousand and five, that was Maria. Like
2: not and even she... it's it's even past
1: that. It's so
2: far, like it's, I didn't. Re- it, it's, Sorry, it's, it's re- well, I was just saying it's 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 like past the stereotypical wrestling diva. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like it's to the point of non-belief. The the how yes. stupid they make this character. Like she. Is the dumbest human being you could possibly think of, and yeah. See, I think I'm pretty sure she came from Diva Search. Yeah, she and, did. I looked um, up, I
1: looked this up a little bit because I was wondering how long she had been there and stuff like yeah, that. and she she She'd been she in the started company started right like,
2: around that time, 2004 yeah, or she, five or somewhere right around there. So
1: she had, yeah, she got discovered on Diva Search. She didn't win, but you know, as usually happens with those reality shows, like the company saw something and the people that didn't win, it was yeah. like. No,
2: you've got charisma. Almost smart, every like time, the people this. that don't win do a lot better than the people
1: that do win. Yeah. So, she was in OVW for a minute. She's been on Raw as a backstage interviewer. This this character of Maria that we know for about a year now, since about 2004. And uh, I didn't know this until I was poking around a little bit because I haven't seen a ton of her work as this you know ditzy interviewer. Apparently, she would ask people like just the wrong questions a lot, like that. You know, you always kind of ask dumb questions because that's the point. Sure. You know, you you're an interviewer. You want them to elaborate on something like, how do you feel about what just happened? That sort of thing. Apparently, she was like, you know, 10,000 times worse. We just ask questions that were not relevant to the subject at hand. Right. And apparently the week before the, the week, Eric was chewing everybody out. You know, Vince had put him on notice and said, hey, next week we're taking out the trash. And Maria had, you know, a, an interview and said, well, how do you you know, how do you How do you feel about what happened or something to that extent? And Eric Bischoff said, I I promise you, Maria, you are never going to ask a stupid question on my show ever again. Basically, the implication, like if he keeps his job or if Vince McMahon, like were to give him another week or hadn't cut him off at the knees, he would have fired her right there. So presumably what she's you know, that's why she's being called up. It isn't just like, oh, you know, she's around a lot like there was a very specific incident last week where he was very very ugly to her that's why she's being called up but again she's got this like weird it almost looks like an i dream of genie dress but it's like painted on because that's her entire shtick is you know like look at me look at me look at me and it's like you you know you can see everything like it might as well be like a striptease segment of raw and she like kind of click clacks her way into the room on these giant heels and kind of dances around a little bit (laughs) just you know the most stereotypical you know you've seen Women's wrestling in 2005. Oh yeah, we've covered. It, it uh, we've
2: covered many, many things. Yeah,
1: with uh, 2005. And yes. So and Mick says, "So Maria, in your opinion, do you think she says, oh, uh, Mick, could you please ask me as Mr. Socko'?" And Mick goes, "Um, okay. Well, uh, if if it pleases the court, I'd like to add a uh, a sock to the prosecutorial team." And Vince is like, "All right, I'll allow it. You know." <laughs> So he oh pulls Mr. Gosh, Socko out. Oh my gosh, that's great. Which, by the way, even formal Mick Foley, like lawyer Mick Foley, always has Mr. Socko on him, which well, is a great course. point. of yeah. course. Better. So he pulls out Mr. Socko, oh and he says, gosh. hi, Maria. Oh my gosh. In your opinion, is Eric Bischoff oh qualified to be the general manager of Raw? Oh my god. And Maria stops, and something in her face, like, shifts. And she cocks her head, and she looks Eric Bischoff dead in the eye. And she says, last week, Eric Bischoff abused his power in a matter that was both malicious and capricious. It is this rash of discourse that has led to a locker room of disdain and mutiny and should be grounds for his immediate dismissal. All right. That's fantastic. It's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Eric shop could not have been more surprised if she pulled off her face like a Scooby Doo villain. Right, His right. jaw is on the floor. He and Coachman are both just horrified. And then just <laughs> like like the snap of a fingers. It's just gone. She's like, "Okay, thanks." It gets up and like struts away. <laughs> and they're all That's just fantastic. like, "Fantastic." Oh it's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's incredible. And they're all like, "Wait, what just what?" And Coachman's like, uh, can I, I'm i sure I can find another witness. And Vince is like, no, I think I've heard quite enough. <laughs> it's like Phineas it's, and firm. It is. It very much is. But that, that shoe drop is just so great. I'm going to talk about that again in a minute. But it's just it's completely out of nowhere. But it's a great payoff to an entire year of this woman as this established klutz with no idea what's going on. Yep. And it doesn't make a, like, I guess she's only pretending to be dumb or It's not really, it's never explained. It, she doesn't keep being smart after that. It's clearly just like an act that she can drop whenever she wants. And that's it's a great, great. reveal. Yeah,
0: that's I like, like, like that. never
1: elaborated on again, but it's awesome. And now it's time to cut back to Raw for the final verdict. Now listen, the main event match of this show is a tag match between Shawn Michaels and Shelton Benjamin and Kurt Angle and Carlito. And I don't have time to talk about it, but like it's a great, it's a great match. Like, this is a solid episode of Raw. Sure. That's what like the last match is. And then it ends. And by the way, like I was watching the whole show and I was like, wait, wow, this is a really weird period of time because we can have like Maria and the women's wrestling division being what it is and like all this other stuff going on. But they're actually censoring Kurt Angle's, you suck, like from the crowd as he's coming to the ring. Wait, what? And not only that, yeah it was weird weird. like doing it really badly like port like it's half the soundbite noise and half the crowd just being silenced and it's not quite in sync like it's really shoddily done yeah and i was like what the heck like what usa this is bad that's really stupid and there's way more inappropriate stuff on this show and i was really confused by that it's very strange until so keep that you know keep they they have a good match and there's some Tension between Shelton Benjamin and Shawn Michaels and ultimately Shelton Benjamin gets rolled up by Carlito I guess, furthering the tension between him and Michaels. I don't know. It's not really the point. So after that, we make our way back in and the garbage truck is here, but it is now like it's facing the opposite direction. So like Vince McMahon drove it straight in, straight down the ramp. It's now been turned around and is facing away, like facing up the ramp with the trash side towards the ring. Which implies that like either they backed it all the way out of the arena and drove back in or did like a 17-point turn on the (laughs) ramp at some point. I'm not sure which is funnier, but that clearly had to happen at some point like between commercial breaks. They're all in the ring, and it's time for the closing arguments. And Bischoff at this point takes the microphone, and Vince is like, would you like to represent yourself? Again, very professional. And Bischoff's like – you know, at this point, I think I better, which is fair. <laughs> he probably would have been better off if he had started with that. Yeah, yeah, probably. And then he, he cuts a promo, and he gives a heel speech mark that honestly makes a lot of sense. Okay. He points out some things that every grown-up smart mark in the crowd knows very well. He says, Vince, you and I, we are the same person. He reminds Vince, he says, remember what you told me. Controversy creates cash, and in my three years as the general manager of Raw, I've created a lot of controversy and a lot of cash. Look, if nothing else, Vince, let me prove it to you. Two words, elimination chamber. Think about the marketing we've had with that. Think about the matches, the moments, the merchandising that have come along with that. Vince, let me keep my job as general manager and you and I can make a fortune, which is what he should have said in the first place, because number one, he's not wrong Right. from like a. Out of kayfabe business perspective, but also like in kayfabe, he did make up the elimination chamber. And whether or not that's always worked in practice, like that's a pretty sweet stipulation. That's a fun idea. Sure. And really, like genuinely out of kayfabe, he has been like the guiding force that has provided some consistency through this weird early ruthless aggression era that, you know, could be a really tumultuous time. But he's been a great like dirtbag Heel authority figure that is like anchored a show for three years. I talked yeah. about this at the beginning. That's a long time. That's that not is. nothing. And Vince is impressed. You can tell Vince is giving that, you know, again, Vince acting. He's like, hmm, hmm oh, you you made a lot of good points. I'm very impressed, you know, that sort of super earnest thing. And then it's time, Mark, you know, we talk about like different cliche genres in TV, right? right. What does every courtroom drama have to have
2: at the um, very end? A giant brawl
1: no actually shockingly (laughs) that doesn't happen sorry kids uh it wouldn't make sense wouldn't it no just have a surprise
2: a surprise burst through the doors witness or whatever at the last second exactly and who is that see everyone (laughs) watching wrestling you know what's gonna happen i i I haven't seen this segment before and i still knew what was gonna happen because come on we, we we talked about this already
1: well, also, it's been an entire episode of Monday Night Raw in 2005, and John Cena hasn't showed up once. I That's mean, true. come on. That's true. <laughs> so he makes his way to the ring, you know, and, you know, he said, you know, you know what I think about. I'm, I didn't come here to tell you what I think about Eric Bischoff. Everybody here knows I think he's a jack off. And the crowd goes, oh, and I'm like, yeah, it's 2005. Woo. It's, oh, all right, John. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, It's sure. like, it's prime John Cena, man. It's. It's an intense amount of John Cena. But he points out, somewhat rightfully, somewhat wrongfully, he says, look, Vince, you're nothing like Eric Bischoff. Vince is a pioneer. He does what he wants. He says, heck, you're wearing a robe, man. You look ridiculous right now.
2: Okay, that's my favorite part of John Cena in the history (laughs) of him ever are those comments right there is my favorite part of the history of the John Cena character because it's funny every single time no matter which era it is, no matter who he's talking to, it is always the fu- if when he picks someone for real in WWE to attack mm-hmm. to jab at with something somewhat real realistic, it is fantastic. Probably my favorite one of all time is this was back I think in 2000 and 8 or 9. And uh he comes out and he was talking about Randy Orton, I think. And then mm-hmm. uh he just started talking about different people. And then he just started talking about Michael Cole's announcing. And he just is like, "Yeah, and then all we get to hear are just a whole show of oh my vintage Michael Cole." And it's just <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines John Cena has ever delivered is on Michael Cole with that. It's it was the-
1: fantastic it's a weird little throwaway stuff too it's yep. not the really elaborately scripted like no. penis jokes it's always just the weird things that like you maybe he didn't just think of them but he comes across like he just thought of them and this is a great one because he pokes at that fourth wall too he's like guys Vince is dressed like a judge right now this is silly what's <laughs> happening And you've been watching for like two hours, so you're just – you're kind of into it like you don't think anything of it. Right. He's like, Vince, you're wearing a robe. You look ridiculous right now. Fantastic. But that's what makes you you. You know, he's just – he's buttering him up a little bit. But it's it's face Vince McMahon at this point, and everybody hates Eric Bischoff. So, you know, you allow it. And then he points out – he answers the the problem I had earlier in the show. He says the only thing that Eric Bischoff stands for is censorship. Eric Bischoff is the one – who doesn't give these people what they want. Eric Bischoff is the one sitting backstage every week telling them to censor the people when they chant you suck at Kurt Angle cuz he doesn't want to hear it. That's not a USA thing. That's an Eric Bischoff <laughs> thing and I did not know that watching the show. That's great. But that's a great it's a great little heel touch, yeah. And it made sense too cuz of like how poorly it was censored right. too. Like it just didn't sound like professionally done. And I was like, oh, that's lovely. That's really, really good. So good. Cena makes it all about the people. And believe it or not, Cena is not the surprise witness, but he says, I hope y'all don't mind if I get, you know, dramatic in here and call 10,000 surprise witnesses. And he's like, do you guys think that Eric Bischoff is good at his job? And he holds the mic up and the crowd goes, no, like they just <laughs> boo it horribly. And he says, do you want to see Eric Bischoff get fired? And he holds the mic up and the crowd goes, yeah, <laughs> just goes nuts. And Vince, like up until this point has been, you know, the judge, jury and executioner. He says, well, you know, I, I think I will give it up to the people. And he's Eric Bischoff, like as his last pitch, his Hail Mary he has been like, well, what do you say, Vince? We got a pay-per-view in two weeks. Let's make the elimination chamber, the title match and I'll help. I'll pull it off. It'll be great. And he says, and Vince, you know, Vince has listened to Cena now and he looks around he says... I'll turn it over to the people. Do you want to see the Elimination Chamber match in two weeks be for the WWE Championship? And the crowd goes nuts. And he says, well, all right, then I guess we'll see that. And, you know, I'll see it, John, and you'll see it, John, and all of you in the WWE universe, you'll see it. But I guess you won't. And he turns to Eric Bischoff. crowd goes nuts. And he says, Eric Bischoff? You're fired. Nice. Take out the trash, and Cena goes, "Yep," and just tackles him instantly. <laughs> like didn't even need any encouragement. <laughs> Hits him with a thunderous FU, kicks him out of the ring, and then Vince McMahon himself, in his judge's robes, like deadlifts Eric Bischoff, throws him into the trash can. And as John Cena's music plays, gets into the garbage truck and drives straight out of the building. Beautiful. And the crowd goes wild, and the commentary, you know, one of those golden lines says, What does this mean for Monday Night Raw? Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then the show, it just fades to black. And the show ends. Brilliant. It's. I don't think it's the best like triumphant deposing of a heel authority figure I've ever seen. Because like when the authority got booted out, it was by a wrestling match. And that was like a genuinely awesome wrestling moment that they incorporated into the story. Well, as fun as this is, there's no actual wrestling basis to it, but dude, this is a great episode of raw and it's bananas and it's dumb, but it's got twists and turns and like silliness in all the right places and all the right ways. And it's a blast. I'm really glad I found this. It's very, very fun to watch. And you think about like, I mentioned at the beginning of this show, like an hour ago when we started this topic, like the other one that I think of is Baron Corbin and like a heel authority figure is not particularly original, right? Like you kind of know what they're going to do and it kind of lives or dies based on how talented the performer is. But Baron Corbin was the heel GM for like six months. It was pretty boring. Everyone hated it. And to end the angle, they had Vince, Shane, Stephanie, and Triple H all come to the ring, chew him out, tell him that he sucked, that he was the reason the show was bad, and then they fired him. Even the end of his reign was a complete letdown because it accomplished nothing. There was no character. Nobody got elevated by any of it. There was no fun to it. There wasn't even a sense of triumph because you were just like, Okay, this is just the writers pulling the plug and like telling us as they're doing it that they're pulling the plug. And that's not fun enough. That's not breaking the fourth wall enough for this to work. This is the complete opposite of that. There might not have been like a crazy wrestling stipulation, but you didn't need one because you just got to have Vince McMahon playing Judge Judy for two hours. And there were all these little these great little comedy bits. And you got Chris Masters getting kicked out. And you've got like the weird slapstick of the boogeyman and like their over the top reactions to him. And you have this beautiful like character payoff with Maria, where she just drops the act and uses all these big words and is like this incredibly intelligent human being. It just blows everybody's mind. There's so many great, like fun little character driven moments in all of this. That also, that, that moment
2: also, I was trying to think of another thing that reminded me of. It also reminds uh-huh. me of the uh, the Wayne's World sketch with Aerosmith, where um, I don't know if you've seen that, where uh-uh. you know Mike Myers is uh, you know is Wayne is uh, interviewing Aerosmith you know for the show what? like down in his basement, what? and what? he's he starts asking him all these like no, like rock star questions off cards, and all of a sudden he asks about like some global conflict and the uh, the like economic state of Europe. And then they just go off on this big, mm-hmm. elaborate, super detailed breakdown of the economic structure of Europe just randomly at the end of everything. And it's the same – that same type of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, that, that's that's a fantastic, fantastic oh. trope. And it's yeah. – I love it.
1: I love it. And it's done perfectly and especially because like in 2005, you're not really expecting any of the women to talk like that, right. frankly. Again, not saying that's okay, but like, that's just kind of how it was. So it's a great, like they had a lot of fun with it. They clearly were like pushing themselves creatively to do something fun and goofy. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's the same story. The GM's more established, but like we're coming in this week, we're going to fire this guy. And instead of doing it in like 20 minutes at the beginning of the episode, they string it out over the entire episode. You great. You get this great courtroom procedure. And then it, here's the thing. It ends the same way with them in the ring and Vince says, you've let these people down, you're fired. And then they throw him out. And they didn't put Baron Corbin on a trash truck. But like it's just – it's great, dude. It's really well executed. It's a ton of fun. And the sight of like Vince McMahon driving a garbage truck while John Cena's music plays and the screen fades to black is just a great little game of Mad Libs. It doesn't make a lick of sense. But it's, it's a blast. It's one of the, like the rest of the episode isn't quite strong enough for me to say it's one of the best episodes of raw of all time, but it's definitely one of the best, like main event, a list storylines of raw that I've ever seen. It's a ton of fun.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that was an extended episode of behind the gorilla, but Mm -hmm. it was well worth it because we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, so if you have any comments about it, tweet us at behind underscore gorilla. If you have any comments about the pitch that we gave for ready to rumble, mm. then uh, please let us know on Twitter as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well as following the podcast. Um, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram. It's the same handle at behind underscore gorilla. Um, I post Updates on the shows and different pictures and videos as well on that. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. I'm going to have to follow that somehow with uh, mm-hmm. some other some other topic. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but we'll have another episode next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And we'll talk to you next week.